Greetings, folks, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Far Beyond Metal Podcast. I'm Daniel Cordova, your host and spirit guide on this metal journey. In this episode, Metalocalypse creator and Galacticon mastermind Brendan Small tells us about his first band, and guest contributor David Wu of Cyborg Octopus recommends Raiju. Before all that, I interview Miles and Rob of Native Construct. Native Construct are a young band with a single album out called Quiet World. This album was my number one for top albums of 2015 for Metal Injection. Let's hear some of Mute before we dive in. What are you guys up to right now? Because you're not on the road currently, right? That is correct. Um, we just got off tour with Mandroid, Star, and Auras. Um, we got back at the, was the uh, beginning of June, I guess? Yeah. So we've been, we've been at home just kind of like recovering from tour and uh, mostly working on um, the next record right now. Oh, snap. Follow How far up. are you guys? Uh, we got a ways to go. We're still in the composition and writing Early phase. stages for sure. Yeah, I haven't started recording anything. The last one I've read took like a few years to kind of get together. Yeah. Just, I'm assuming yeah. between like school and stuff, is this one probably going to be slated the same time frame? No, just, this one should be a good deal faster um, because this is sort of our main focus right now. Like you said, uh, for the last one, we were focusing on school for the most part and just sort of doing this when we had some free time here and there. But yeah, we're we're focusing more entirely on this, so it should go a good deal faster. Yeah. We're, oh, sorry. Just so you know, by the way, um, this is this is Rob, by the way, speaking right now. Just so you have the identification here. Oh yeah, and I'm Miles. Miles is the deeper voice. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> My apologies. I should have been more professional in setting this oh, up. I'm super, uh, Miles and Rob from uh, Native Construct. Yeah, how's, how's it going, I, I will, guys? How's it going, guys? Not too bad. I'm assuming <laughs> for the listeners, I'll, I'll take a pause so they can all respond one by one. Yeah, good. I want to hear from each and every one. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to have them all like email, email vocal me. recordings of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, are you guys still students at the at this time? No. Um. We graduated. Uh, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. Now it's crazy. It's been a while. I guess. Yeah. We just uh we we Miles and I um finished at Berkeley and um Max uh the bassist is currently still there. Uh, he's the only one that's still at Berkeley. The rest of the band has all graduated we were all uh in the same year max is a couple years younger than us how have you adjusted to uh civilian life post-student Ooh, it's uh it's a different world it's weird right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i graduated a uh, yeah. couple of years so I've, i'm still kind of getting used to it actually yeah it's been a couple for me oh I, I i can imagine i'm never gonna quite be there i don't feel like a real human yet it's just like i still i feel like I don't know. I mean, I'm a musician, so I guess I'm not really a real human to begin with, but like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Superhuman. Yeah. No. <laughs> weird human. I identify as a weird human. That's what I am. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Is this a um uh, a label shared by everybody in the in the band? Because as a prog band, you kind of got to be a little odd anyway. Yeah, I certainly feel similarly. <laughs> 
Good, good. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all pretty much on the same page there. Now, I, you guys did meet at, Ber- meet at Berkeley, correct? Yeah. Well, Miles and I actually did not. Miles and I are uh, old, old friends. We met in, like, second grade, I think. Um, and we've honestly been making music together almost as long um, since, like, orchestra class when we were, like, nine, I think, in yeah. elementary school. Yeah. Um, so we've been, we've been friends ever since. Um, we were like nine or 10 and been making all kinds of music together ever since. So it's really cool that we get to be in this band together now. It's kind of like the, uh, it kind of feels like the end all like project to what we've been doing our entire lives together. You know, we've always wanted to have a band like this. So it feels good. What were you playing in orchestra class back in second grade? What was your first instrument? I played violin. Yeah. Miles played violin. I played cello. Um, and we stuck with those instruments for a long time, actually. We went all the way through grade school with that orchestra, um, and actually formed a string quartet when we were in high school. Uh, we played, like, weddings and parties and stuff. It was, it was really cool. Did you guys have a, a set regimen of songs you always did, or did you take requests? And if so, what was your most requested song? We did take requests. Um, I, we never really had repeat requests, but we had odd requests. Um, <laughs> yeah, trying to think of some. Like what? Oh, we so we played weddings, and and people would sometimes request that we would play um like an arrangement of like pop tunes for like their like walk down the aisle. I think I think we played Blue Sky by Almond Almond Brothers, Brothers Band yeah. for like a bridal procession once. Yeah, that was weird. We did um, <laughs> like, some Elvis. Yeah. Um, trying to remember, they were oh we did uh. Some Beatles, I think. Uh, what is that? Maybe? Symphony of whatever. Ah, yeah, the one, the one, uh, the Verve song where they got yeah, yeah. super sued for copyright. copyright. Um, oh, Bittersweet Symphony. Yes, Bittersweet, Bittersweet Symphony. Symphony. Yeah. We had to play that once. That switches video. Did you also have to pay the Rolling Stones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty, pretty cringy song for a wedding, though. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun, though. Like, we would actually arrange the stuff ourselves. Like, Miles would Miles would sit and arrange the music. Um, and get to practice that stuff, and then we would all meet and rehearse and learn the parts. It was fun. That is pretty cool. Was that you guys' uh, first band that you could uh, say played shows and whatnot? Actually, well, we uh, we had, like, metal bands. Uh, well, I guess metalcore, uh, to be more specific, in early high school. You, you, we sound, were... so, you sound so disappointed <laughs> with that. Oh, I know. I'm very proud of the fact that I was once uh, a keyboardist in, in a terrible metalcore band. It was yeah. really fun. <laughs> That was sort of simultaneous with the string quartet, though. Yeah, we would do we would do both. Like one weekend we would play a wedding with the string quartet, and then like another weekend we would play at the skate park. <laughs> with our metalcore bands. What was your band called? We we had a band in ninth grade called the Burning Hour, and uh, that's, that's please good. don't good. Google it. I think our MySpace page still exists. It's. <laughs> I'm gonna have to link Google to it. it now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's really something. I was not the vocalist actually back then. I wish I wish I had been. Um, that would have been more fun. I played keys back then. That was before I was able to do any kind of harsh vocals, and I was a wannabe. <laughs> Miles, what about your first band? Uh, my first band was actually my older brother's band. I must have been in sixth grade. Um, it was also a metalcore band, uh, equally terrible, <laughs> and I played guitar. Um, Are you not willing to give the name? Uh, yeah, there were well, many names. Yeah, there were several names. Um, 
the the biggest one was called Goodbye to Berlin, and I'm not sure if it exists on the internet still, but you're welcome to try. MySpace. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, man. No, yeah, Miles was the star of that band, too. I I remember, like, he... So his, his older brother and his friends were all, like, four years older than him, and this was... You know, they were in high school, they were, like, juniors and seniors, and he was in middle school, and he was so cool because he got to play guitar in the high school bands. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I like to. I love asking that question to bands because you always find most oh, people yeah. cring, cringe at the first band. Oh, absolutely. I. I mean, I cringe at my current band. So oh, I. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'm personally a fan of your current band, but uh, oh, I, thanks, I guess. Man. I guess being like very involved in it, there's certain elements to it that maybe you. Uh, spending so much time sit- sitting in them that maybe you're not a fan of. Oh, um, yeah. Is there anything on the last record you wish you would have left off? And you don't have to say what it is if that winds up being somebody's favorite part or something. But <laughs> honestly, a lot of things. Um, yeah, it, especially um, at this age for us, it's we're we're constantly changing a lot because we're still very young. So uh, we wrote that music a couple of years ago now, and so we've changed a lot in the past couple of years. So yeah, there's a great deal that we uh, would like to improve upon for the next record. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even a matter of like naming specific parts. It's kind of just the, the product as a whole feels, um, it feels dated to us now. I mean, definitely because we started writing a lot of that stuff like four or five years ago, you know, it's, that's, I mean, we, we were, we were college freshmen and now we've, when we started that and now we've, um, we've had so many experiences since then and learned so much that we feel like we're completely different people musically at this point, you know, and we're excited to represent that with our new music. I think. How how do you approach the new stuff differently than you did uh, four years ago? The big difference I think is just mindfulness. Yeah. Um, so like I said, we were into metalcore and that kind of stuff growing up and that was really just sort of happenstance. Um, I got into it because, like I said, my older brother was into it. Um, so we sort of just stumbled into that path and followed it through up till college, really. And uh, since then, we've we have degrees in music now, and we've studied all sorts of different types of music. And uh, we've had a chance to really step back and think about uh, what kind of music we really uh, would ideally like to create instead of just creating what happened to come to us, you know. So uh, yeah, we've taken a step back and become more mindful and we have more of a strategy now going into this record so i think it's going to turn out uh, much more particular and much more representative of ourselves yeah i think quiet world was a lot more i mean there was a lot of experimentation going on for sure because i mean that was our first real record like that and uh a lot of the writing was just like hey like this will be good here. Let's just do this. You know, like, why don't we do this? Let's try to do this. Like, let's try to do all this crazy shit. Let's try to do as much as we can and enforce all of these ideas. I, I think that there were a lot of great ideas on the record and um, that actually get lost in in the clutter because there's so much there's a lot there's a lot of like manic just just stuff going on a lot of the time and there's little and we go back and listen to the record and we notice little things like oh i forgot that was you know i forgot that part was even in there because you don't normally hear it or we listen to a different mix or we listen to the instrumental mix and we're like this is this is so different there's all this stuff in here that we've been missing because there's so much going on you know that's that's definitely one example 
I think of, of the way that we are going to be more mindful in our approach in the future. Like, how do we want this, how do we want this part to come out? And, uh, what do we, what do we want to be actually hearing here? You know, rather than just, can we actually do this? You know, which is much, much more what choir world was like, can we actually do this? Should we do this is, is the question right. I think now. To summarize, there's a quote, a famous quote by the great French composer Maurice Ravel. He Miles says, is a Ravel fanboy. Yes, yes. He says, I begin by considering an effect. That's it. I like that a lot. Um, to kind of go back to Berkeley just a little bit, um, can you, would you um, attribute your what is it now, four years at school there to your new approach? Mm -hmm. Or is that something you, like, would have strived for in the beginning just to, like, better know what you're doing rather than... Because can you... Is that because you now have, like, all this theory and just, like, uh, classic approaches and that sort of thing in your head that you didn't have before rather than, I don't know, kill, switch, engage or something? <laughs> it's definitely a mixture of that and I'd say just being older, having more life experience, uh, becoming more self-aware. Yeah. Just generally growing up musically and as a person as people yeah berkeley definitely had a huge i mean it, you can't go to music school and not be massively influenced by it um it's just by everything that you hear all the time everything that you're studying um because we were required to study many different styles of writing and uh and uh, arranging and production and all kinds of stuff like that so so we were exposed to a lot of new stuff that we never would have really been exposed to before. Um, and that's naturally going to influence the sound, whether or not we are aware and of it. One final question there. My, I went to Sacramento State. We, are, mm -hmm. we don't have any notable alumni, except for the fact Tom Hanks went here for like a semester or something. Um, <laughs> and we're very proud of that. That's it, awesome. Is like the band Dream Theater considered a bunch of hacks, or are they like really high up there <laughs> and you're alumni? So... Just like any school, music school has um, many different cliques and uh, yeah. types of students. So there are like the prog nerds there that revere Dream Theater. And then there are like classical uh, musicians who don't have, want anything to do with that or pop musicians who don't really care. So it just depends on who you ask. So, all right, yeah, we just have, we just have Tom Hanks. So that, <laughs> that's kind of the angle I've got. Um, we got to like, we got to rehearse in one of the same ensemble rooms that dream theater used to play in allegedly yeah, i think which was cool of... like in the early days we were like way into that we were like yeah this is the one yeah there were all sorts of legends surrounding uh <laughs> alumni from that school it was fabled that we were in the dorm across from john mayer's old dorm <laughs> but i have no idea if that's accurate <laughs> i had no idea about john mayer and, and uh being alumni there also yeah oh he's the one that they i mean he probably gets talked about more than anyone i, I would think so <laughs> while we like, were there i mean dream theater is definitely like one of the biggest prog bands but you know that's kind of being a medium fish in a huge pond right yeah you and I could be entwined in love for the rest of our lives and yet I can't begin to utter words of my affection within I can't form with my mouth and I'll wait for you to change. 
We'll have more with Miles and Rob in a moment, but first, every musician has to start somewhere, and this even includes Death Clock puppet master, Brendan Small. I spoke with him in 2012. Here he is with his first band. Um, here's the weird part. Death Clock is my first band. A pretty good way to start. Yeah, it's not bad, but it kind of is true. I, I would put projects together, and it would be like the Brendan Small band, and I would do that at like music school, so if I put like a project together... It would be like I'd grab a really great drummer and a really great bass player, and you know, and then I'd go and do like an evening of some stuff, and I'd write original stuff and try to put that in there too. And that's what I would do. And uh, but uh, when I, it was always it was always a project thing, like you know. But this has become kind of more of a band. As it, it started out as a project thing, but I think uh, the influence of the other guys and kind of like knowing what they can do and all that stuff helps me compose. Like knowing what genes. Uh, Fortes are helps me kind of compose stuff. That was Danger Tits from Brendan Small's Galacticon. Brendan is currently in the studio working on the Galacticon follow-up. No release is slated yet, but you should be excited now. Before we rejoin Miles and Rob from Native Construct, here's something a bit different. This is a song called Empty Chairs at Empty Tables, originally from the musical Les Mis, covered by the band. Oh my friends, my friends, forgive me That I live and you are gone there's a grief that can't be spoken There's a pain goes on and on Phantom faces at the window Phantom shadows on the floor Empty chairs at empty tables Where my friends will meet no more was for empty chairs and empty tables where my friends will sing no uh to change gears completely now, there's a uh, cover out there of Empty Chairs, Empty Tables that's pretty great, by the way. Oh, thanks, my, man. My girlfriend's favorite thing in the world is Les Mis. Um, so I've, oh, showed, it, I've shown it to her. Oh, you too. Okay, cool. That takes care of that. <laughs> um, do you have a musical past or a theater past? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, not honestly, not so much theater. People ask me if I was in theater in school a lot, and I wasn't. I kind of wish that I were, but um, like I, I've sung a lot of musical theater uh, back in the day. Um, never really acted or danced. I don't. I don't think I can do the triple threat thing. But yeah, I love. I love singing musical theater. Um, it's something that actually got me into music when I was really young. Les Mis was one of the first musicals I ever heard. Les Mis and Phantom, you know, the two the two big ones. I uh, my parents brought back like highlights albums, I think, from the original Broadway cast recordings when I was like 7 or 8, I think. 
And uh, I just, I heard them and I heard the music and I just, and I just started looping them. I just repeat, I just, I just listened and listened and I loved that music. And eventually my dad um, took me to see Les Mis on Broadway um, when I was very young in New York. And I will never forget that. Like, uh, he still tells me like after the opening number, I stood up and cheered very loudly. Like I gave a standing ovation <laughs> after the, I, yeah, <laughs> I gave a standing ovation after the introduction because I was so excited. I was like eight or nine and I, yeah, I just loved Les Mis ever since. I've loved the music. I loved the book. I love the story. Um, the new Hollywood movie is another story, but you know, I, that uh, was, I was going to ask, what do you think about Russell Crowe? <laughs> oh man. Or, or any of them really. <laughs> um, I think, I think Anne Hathaway did a good job. Have you? I'll say, say that. Have you seen the weird like it, it played for months before like uh, movies just in theaters? It was like a making of featurette where she was singing this. I don't know uh-huh. the songs by heart, but where she's getting her haircut, and yeah, they yeah. hyped the movie so much about the fact that they recorded everything live, and the take they used in that trailer was much better than what made it in the film, and. <laughs> And I don't because it was edited. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, and I just I honestly like I don't understand that whole recording live thing. I still don't get it. Like it's just it doesn't really make sense to me. I'm not really sure. Like I as a as a musician, like I'm just I'm kind of thinking like as mostly a studio musician, I'm thinking like why wouldn't they just make it the best they could? Right. Totally. If, you know, <laughs> no one notices anyway. Like the general audience doesn't notice, and like I'm still sitting there thinking like they had to have done some things to this, right? Like you don't just, you don't just hold a boom mic in front of a singer on a movie set and have them, right? I don't know. It just seems a little weird to me. It seems a little weird to me, but yeah, that whole movie was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have either of you seen Hamilton? No. I have not. I really want to. You do? Okay, I was yeah. going to ask if it lives up to the hype because it's got a lot of it. It's coming. To, it's definitely got a lot of hype. It's coming to San Francisco. I watched like me. a live performance. Oh, that, oh yeah. At, at some point, I don't know if I'm going, but I'm pretty sure it might be pretty sold out. Actually, it's probably sold out. Yeah. That's what I hear. That's what I hear about it in general. Something Lion King. Yeah, I saw a live performance on it on like uh, a talk show or something. I think it might have been the Late Show. It was. It was really cool. It was, it was a lot of. Uh, I think there's a lot of like rapping in it. Yeah, that's, that's what right. I've heard. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Seems seems really interesting. Uh, could you see Quiet World or any of your other music in on like a stage production? And if so, would you want to be in it? Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> could definitely see it uh, in theory, but obviously that's an endeavor that requires a great deal of resources. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would ever happen. Definitely but... a pipe dream, but like nonetheless, like would be super cool. And like I would, I mean, I would, I would take acting lessons if I had to. That'd be cool. You guys should do the Arion thing where you say it's never going to happen for like 20 years and then suddenly get like two guys from the original recording and then just do it twice. Record it, put it out. (laughs) That album's pretty great, though. Um, What are some of your favorite concept albums just in general? Um, Number one, I think for both of us, is Colors Between the Buried and Me. Favorite. Uh, Yes. (laughs) That was was really a pivotal album for both of us because, like we said, we were into the whole metal thing mostly. And then that sort of bridged the gap between metal and progressive rock and progressive metal. And then yeah. from there, we sort of just went down the rabbit hole and got into all sorts of prog. So that was uh, very influential, as I'm sure you can hear by listening to our music. <laughs> BT Bam Jr. 
how was opening for them by the way like with that in mind uh it was so cool yeah i mean it was it was still like we were we were like driving to the first show just like all right we're not gonna fanboy <laughs> we're gonna be cool when we meet them it's like because this is a band that really they i mean they brought us into this kind of music um i know miles and me we uh we were we were listening to stuff like kill switch engage and as I lay dying in ninth grade 10th grade 14 and 15 and then and then we discovered bt bam and colors had just come out and we'd never heard anything like that before and it really got us into this whole world and started us down this path i think and um then to and we you know we're from north carolina too we grew up in north carolina so every time they would come through north carolina we drive usually to Asheville or raleigh we drive like three hours to go see them every time and uh yeah they're just i mean they were huge musical icons for us so it was it was definitely intimidating like going and being on tour with them but they're honestly they're the best dudes and we got to talk to them a lot and um we learned so much from them just getting to like watch them doing their thing every night setting up you know sound checking playing their set how they how they hold themselves on stage, everything. We we learned so much from that. And that being like our first big tour that size, it, it was really um it was really lucky that we got that early exposure to a lot of that professionalism because I think we've been able to pick up on that stuff. It's gonna help us because we're still we're still very much a young band in terms of playing live. We we just started last year, you know, with that PT Bam tour. So So we've got a long ways to go, but I think uh we, we owe them a lot. Definitely. As a young band who is now, you know, a couple of years in, do you see yourself doing this like for your whole life? The whole road dog life, studios, labels, all that stuff. Uh, definitely, at least um, writing albums and recording. I, I we think know I we love that. Do that for my whole life. Uh, touring, I can imagine, would get to be difficult to continue once you have a family and once you're getting older and it's uh, more strenuous on you. So I'm not sure about that, but definitely recording. Yeah. And I mean, we're we're just getting a taste of touring life right now anyway. You know, we've we've been on a few um but yeah, it's all very new to us. Um it's a very exciting lifestyle. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a cool it's a cool experience going on tour and we we always describe it as kind of like a lifetime of life experience like compressed into a month. Not a lifetime, that's a little much, but maybe like a year just compressed into a month because so much happens to you, you know, yeah. you have to deal with so much. You have to, you meet so many people. Um, we do so much more than in a month than we ever do at home in a month, you know? Um, so it's, it's really, uh, it's really interesting new lifestyle for us, but um, I think, I think we're taken to it. It's been really fun. I'll say we certainly have many more years left of that. Yeah. Uh, at least if not forever yeah. <laughs> as a fan i like that um following a little facebook creeping because why not uh i discovered you were both i mean gotta like them picks right uh th that you were both gamers what are you guys playing right now oh yeah, oh, yeah. i play pretty much only super smash bros melee <laughs> i'm i'm obsessed miles is a like one game guy Dude, that's he's so like me. Right, that's I'm gonna... absolutely me <laughs> yeah He's That's like, hard. I'm gonna pick this one thing and become as good as I possibly can at it until I'm done, you know. And then, and then he moves on to the next thing. So right now it's melee. Miles got like Miles got a whole setup for his PC just for melee. Like he bought like a 
144 hertz monitor and uh and upgraded everything just so you could run like dolphin in full the 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 gamecube emulator where you're actually able to connect you're actually able to play against other people online on the internet and melee which has never happened in a nintendo game effectively and uh so he's just doing that all the time training getting good i'm actually going to a tournament uh next tuesday so oh yeah i guess Who, yeah. who's your oh, character cool. Uh, mostly Fox, a little bit of Marth and Falco. Not bad well. choices. I'm a Captain Falcon guy. Nice. I somehow nice. made it work. He, <laughs> he's nice. kind of awful, but I, I just I made it work. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I'm, I'm I play a little bit chic. I've I can't like I can't like hold up against Miles, but I play against him sometimes. We we actually just started uh, um, streaming on Twitch recently. Um, so we're playing Smash on there sometimes. I have a friend that does that basically for a living now, and it's a really fascinating world that I think is really neat. I just, awesome. I, I mean, That's I, awesome. I basically only play Animal Crossing New Leaf, and then I take I take <laughs> breaks from that to be terrible at like uh, Majora's Mask and various other th- 3DS titles. <laughs> Majora's Mask is the best Zelda game, by the way. I'm just gonna throw that out while we're in the uh, interview. I can't get into it, dude. The whole the Are whole time, like having to battle time, just I find it so frustrating. Like Ocarina was my shit, but I can't hang with well, this. Well, yeah. Are you Are you playing uh, the 3DS version yeah. first? That might okay. be why. Interesting. I see. I still haven't played that. I still haven't played it. It It looks and feels different from the That's original. Zelda. See, old 3D Zelda feels weird to me when you're able to actually free look. You know, like the whole game to me was like running around in low res and like having to Z target to face forward and like. Playing it as a nine-year-old probably helps too. I'm yeah. sure I'm looking at it with nostalgia glasses. So I'm spoiled being able to look completely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you fucked going up. Going backwards man. would be even worse for me then. <laughs> um, I, I read recently that you have had. I don't know if it's how recent this interview is from, but that uh, Rob, you've been into Mike Patton or were at least. Oh, yeah. What were oh, some yeah. of your favorite projects? I've always, been. I've always what been. are some of your favorite like weirder projects of his? Oh man. Um, probably. My favorite project of his is Mondo Kane. It's so good. Um, it's so good. He um, that that was one of the first that I discovered. Actually, um, I I found Mr. Bungle through. It, it's weird. I I saw one of these fan made music videos for. There's two by this person for two of their songs that are on YouTube that are surprisingly awesome. Pink like, Cigarette and Retro Vertigo. Yeah. I love them. They're like, I mean, they're super campy and weird, but like, it's it's perfect for Mr. Bungle. I mean, what what else would you expect for that? And uh, I came across those videos and I had never heard Mr. Bungle before and I watched them and those are probably two of their catchiest songs in their whole discography. And they're both from the newer album or the newest album, California. And um, I just fell in love from there. And then from there, I was like, Okay, Mike Patton's a guy that I should definitely be looking into. And uh I think I was looking at his Wikipedia page or something and then I just found Mondo Kane and uh I was blown away after hearing what I heard in Mr. Bungle and then seeing him performing like this. I was like, this guy this guy knows what he's doing. This guy is versatile and I mean, he's probably one of the most versatile vocalists I've ever seen. Period. And that's just that's one of my goals as a vocalist. I want to be like that. I want to be able to do so many different things like he does so well. Um, and 
my background right now is very eclectic. You know, I, I have the musical theater and I have the metal and I have the classical and pop and jazz from Berkeley mostly. And uh, I just, I want to do like what he did. I want to do all that kind of different stuff. And Mondo Kane is like an awesome representation of that. And this is potentially kind of a, a weird, silly question. Miles, whenever you encounter a new guitar, do you have something that you play every time when you pick it up? I do. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, uh, totally. You probably are aware of this, Robert. <laughs> um, I, I tend to play the guitar part from Viridian by Viridian <laughs> Me, which is weird because that's, that is a yes, bass is. solo piece. <laughs> yeah. There's a little guitar part at the beginning. And it's it's actually, I play it because it's uh, it's a really good tone test uh riff because it's uh, it has some some lush chords in the on the upper strings and uh, and then it also moves down to the lower strings and you can just really get a good feel for how the guitar sounds by playing that little riff did you show paul that you can play that did you how bad did you guys nerd out on him like i'm assuming <laughs> at some point you got you got a chance to be like oh my god i love you guys yeah there was a little bit of that i remember uh pohawk our our guitarist or the guitarist um i think he asked paul to jam with him like four or five times over the course of that tour i mean that's just that's just pohawk no i mean he was he was he was really nice about it but like paul doesn't he doesn't I don't think he wants to do that, you know. Like he's just like, you know, man. I like <laughs> Pohawk. Pohawk just wants to. He just he just wants to play guitar and eat and sleep. He's that kind of player. Like Pohawk is just like never wants to stop t- like playing the guitar. Never wants to put it down. So you know, whenever he talks to any guitarist, he's just like, hey, you want to jam? You want to jam? That's like his his way of meeting people. He's like, oh, I want to jam with that guy. And uh, so, yeah, over the course of the tour, he's like, man, I really want to jam with Paul. Man. <laughs> and he just kept asking him. We're like, Pohawk, he doesn't want to. <laughs> I feel like Dusty would be down. It was it was funny. Oh, he totally. Yeah. T- Dusty's Dusty's a, Dusty's a bro. Um, he yeah, he was he was really cool, too. Um, he was like, I think one of the one of the later shows, Pohawk, uh, we were sound checking and Pohawk like saw Dusty like watching him backstage and like smiling. He was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the highlight of the tour for him. He was like, Pohawk was listening or Dusty was listening to me sound check. He looked like he liked it. <laughs> and he let him like play his, uh, play some of his guitars, his PRS. It, it was, it was cool. It's really awesome experience. All right, gentlemen. Well, that's, they're all just such great guys. I've met four out of five of them. I've not met Tommy, but I've, I've tried. When he tours, oh, yeah. when he tours California, oh, yeah. he's he lives here now, so he usually brings his family on the road. It's completely understandable. So I've yet to actually meet oh, him. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He had his family on the road for uh, a good deal of the tour with us, actually. Too really, cute it was kid. weird <laughs> when I saw them in Sacramento. I looked up at the, their like balcony there, and there was just like yeah. a, a child wearing yeah. huge earmuffs, and that's not something I always <laughs> see there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love it. I love metal kids, like uh, and and metal dads, tour dads. It's like my favorite thing now. Just 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 watching them on the but road. Adorable. But of course, that kid's probably gonna wind up growing up to be like the next Bieber or something. Just he's gonna rebel against metal and just go, <laughs> yeah, some sort of hip hop thing. And and more power to them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all yeah, right, gentlemen. Totally. Well, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much for talking with me. I am a huge fan of of everything. And next time you are anywhere near me, I will, I'll be there to give you high fives, handshakes, whatever you'd like. H- hugs, maybe. Thanks, man. Of Thanks course, a lot, man. Daniel. Hugs totally accepted. Yes, finally, cool.
I'd once again like to thank Miles and Rob from Native Contract for speaking with me. Their album Quiet World is now available from Metal Blade. They're currently working on their follow-up record, and you can get updates from them on that on their Facebook, facebook.com slash nativeconstruct. And as we mentioned, the band is also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash nativeconstruct. I like to end every episode with a recommendation, but every so often I like to call on some of my musical friends to help me out. Here's David Wu from Cyborg Octopus, who themselves were the first Far Beyond Metal recommendation. Hey, what's up, Far Beyond Metal? My name is David, and I'm from the band Cyborg Octopus. Today, I'm going to give you a music recommendation that I feel super strongly about. These guys are called Raiju, and they are from San Francisco, California. We recently just got off of a West Coast tour with them, and we can completely vouch for them on multiple different levels. First, they play extremely progressive technical metal. And on top of delivering really confusing polyrhythms that are somehow catchy, they also have a clean vocalist that delivers extremely captivating uh, earworms through his vocal melodies. So a crude comparison is think Anthony Green being the lead singer of Protest the Hero, influenced by Meshuggah. Super crude comparison, but hopefully that's enough to get you guys intrigued. And this song that I'm going to recommend is The Kool-Aid, off of their debut EP, Haunt. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks.
Raiju, head to facebook.com slash Raiju. And for more Cyborg Octopus, facebook.com slash Cyborg Octopus. I'd like to thank all the bands for being a part of Episode 7 and you for listening. For more on the show, head to facebook.com slash farboundmetal. I'm on Twitter at Ovacord. Or you can email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. As always, the theme is Far Beyond Metal by Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thanks for listening. A Catbox Production.